Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees. Well, it's late July, folks. Um, <laughs> from a leasing standpoint, it seems to be the the busiest July uh, that we've seen in, in really a long time. As many predicted, the slowdown that that we saw back in March and April due to the pandemic has has resulted in a late leasing season. However, nationally, the off-campus industry is trending on average somewhere between two to four percent year over year with leasing. Obviously, some markets are worse and some are actually trending ahead of last year because, you know, maybe the universities made decisions to de-densify their own campus beds. A lot of a lot of things actually go into that, and there's still just a lot that we will just have to wait and see as it relates to vacancy, and uh, of course with university enrollment as well. Given all of that, the chances are that most off-campus properties are going to be dealing with a little more vacancy than uh, what they have in the past. Maybe we can fill them in January for the start of spring semester, but who really knows? So I I wanted to revisit a topic in this episode that I actually reported on last summer regarding how to take completely vacant units and put them on the short-term rental market with popular apps like Airbnb and those type of things. The result from that report was that student housing managers should not try and do this on their own for a multitude of reasons. And we identified some companies that offered this as a service to apartment managers. One of those companies is Vector Travel, and they really impressed me with what they were already doing for their student housing clients and how much they really understood the complexity of mixing a student demographic with a transient business practice. After that conversation, I actually ended up having Vector take over a few vacant units for a client that I I provide asset management services for. And let me tell you, I've been really impressed from everything regarding their technology that they use to the cleaning vendors that they've selected. It's just, it's been fantastic. And best of all, it has required very little attention from the property staff, which as you can imagine, that has been really key during a pandemic (laughs) because they're worrying about other things. So I I wanted to invite Vector CEO, Mickey Kronf, back to the podcast to see how business was going for them and to see if maybe we could work out a deal for our audience members who may want to turn their vacancies this fall into some short-term rental income. Here's my conversation with Mickey. Mickey, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be back. Oh man, it has been it's been a joy working with you through uh, uh, through this past year, both for, you know as a client of Vector Stays because uh, I've got some clients of mine on the consulting side that have used you, and we've been uh, just really impressed with everything that you've been able to do for for those properties, and then. You know, on top of that, you guys have, have been a, an annual sponsor this this year, and that has just been, you know, a true joy working with you guys, especially in all of these unprecedented times that we're, that we're dealing with. And uh, one, I want to just give my appreciation to you guys for, for being a sponsor of, of what we're doing at Student Housing Insight. And yeah, on top of that, it's... Uh, it, 
it's been crazy seeing you guys grow this past year. Well, thank you. Yeah, and we've certainly enjoyed being involved in everything, and and I feel like we've um, we've been able to to meet a lot of vendors and clients and potential clients you know, through your organization. Uh, we've also just learned a lot. I mean, all kinds of of different types of information, data sources, but then trends and uh, and and really even just history. So it's been it's been a fruitful relationship, and yeah, it's been an interesting. Uh, <laughs> Last six months, to say the least, but uh, but here we still are, and and uh, you know happy to to discuss short term rentals in the student housing sector with you today. So for for those of the audience that may not have listened to our podcast last summer with Mickey and Vector Travel, go back and and read that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But really, you know, before I, I want to ask you kind of how things have been since March, but. For our audience members who may not understand short-term travel, or excuse me, short-term stays, talk a little bit about what it's based on, what it is that you guys provide, and and then we'll get into how life has been since since the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So we see ourselves as a multifamily hospitality company. We're essentially a partner to various multifamily companies, including student housing providers. We we generally function to activate the vacant units in a property. And we do that uh, through furnishing and then photographing and distributing online on various online travel channels and corporate GDSs. And so we, we really kind of manage soup to nuts, this hospitality experience. Um, so stays of one night, previously up to 30 nights, but now uh, we've extended that as, as part of our response to the pandemic, but up to 90 nights. So short and midterm stays uh, where we really handle everything with that, uh, including the housekeeping, the accounting, reporting, compliance, and so forth. And, and you used an abbreviation GDS. What, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, global distribution system. So just thinking gotcha. back on like traditional corporate travel stays where travel managers mm-hmm. are booking, uh, you know, we, we make sure that we have exposure to those as well. So really, uh, you know, to, to even break it down on a, on a more simple basis, you take the the vacancy that multifamily properties, apartment communities, and student housing, uh, the vacancies that they have of their completely vacant units, and uh, turn that into a vacancy loss to um, maybe recouping even more than, <laughs> than yeah. their gross potential rent. <laughs> based on putting it on things like Airbnb and, and other short-term rental uh, platforms, as well as your own platform as well, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we do We do as much distribution as we can. We like direct bookings, of course, just to, to save on platform fees. And we're also able to kind of generate some loyalty and have some, some good repeat customers coming back to properties. Also, friends and family of residents or, or typically given coupon codes and uh, kind of enables us to position these things as amenities, not just a kind of business solution to a vacancy loss problem. It, it can also be a, uh, a residential experiential opportunity. And, and, you know, kind of my own personal story with that or journey with that, uh, you know, several years ago, I was trying to do the, the same thing. I was looking at our vacancy across our portfolio and said, hey, we can we could take some of this and offload it and you know, list it on Airbnb. And I got to tell you, that was it was just a headache. And, and the managers hated it because it was putting so much extra work on them and taking them away from, you know, student housing is now, you know, it's a 10 month 
pre-leasing cycle every year. You know, as soon as you get them moved in and <laughs> settled, you're you're starting to pre-lease for the next year. And and you know, student housing is is management intensive in and of itself and short-term rental stays are, yeah. are intensive as well. So, uh, you know, I, I could just tell you, you know, I pretty much kind of gave up on, on doing that. And then when I found you guys and working with you guys for the past year, it's just been incredible. I mean, you guys have really just eliminated so much of that headache and have really, you know, turned it into, turn those vacancies into something that, you know, really working out for us. And, you know, I've even talked to, to some landlords who are, are doing this as well, that, you know, they, they intentionally want to keep a, a five to 7% vacancy because they're making so much on the short-term rental stays. So that's interesting to hear. And I mean, um, kind of backing up, I mean, part of our, part of our thesis beginning this business in early 2018 was just that um, from the consumer side, they wanted to stay in apartments. They wanted more authentic experiences, different types of locations as opposed to hotels. And the data has kind of borne that out with uh, with the percentage of total lodging stays increasing over time, more and more short terminal stays. But then we also just saw it as a as an industry solution that wasn't yet in place. Uh, nobody nobody was. Um, was going all the way in terms of full service management to, to activate the vacancy in a lease up or a stabilized asset. And then part of the reason we gravitated to student housing, and I think it was such a natural fit, was that annual lease up cycle that occurs and the fact that um, you know market conditions can change year to year, even if the even if the onsite team is doing a great job leasing. There may have been two new buildings that cropped up next door, and that's going to make it uh, it's going to make it difficult to hit that you know whatever, whatever the target is, 9,900%. And so we can go in pretty nimbly, activate those spaces, and then, you know, give the units back when the primary function, you know, is needed again, uh, yeah. you know, housing residents. Yeah. Well, and, and the landlords I'm talking about specifically who are, who are building that in, these are, you know, these aren't your national operators, although, you know, I think a national operator that can figure this out is going to do really well. But these are kind of the the mom and pop, you know, they manage and or own, you know, somewhere between 500 to, you know, 3,000 beds in a market. And, uh, you know, they're typically in, you know, tier one schools uh, with medical schools, you know, near the campus. And, uh, and of course, you know, Power 5 football conferences, that type of thing. And it's just, it's really turned, a lot of them have said, if I could, if the bank would be okay with me, you know, building in 10 or 15% vacancy, I would do it. So, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's interesting to hear. And, um, you know, I think <laughs> the perception has always been in the past that short terminals were riskier and, and maybe that is true in some ways, but if you looked at it, if you looked at that, that example and you said, wait a second, five to, let's say five to 10% of the units were allocated towards this other use. Um, it's actually a bit of a diversification play. And then those units are already in place. The operation is already in place and could be flexed up and down based on needs. And so, um, and then you bring up lenders. I mean, that's, I think that's the last piece that still really has to get there. I think we've seen signals about short-term rental income, including variable short-term rental income, which is essentially what we provide given a revenue share model. We're, we're starting to see that recognized by more and more lenders. And, you know, I mean, I could tell a quick story of student housing property in Austin that, that we managed 
in 2019. You know, we provided after fees and expenses about 300k plus in in NOI for that year. And if you were able to cap that, you know, at whatever the the prevailing rates were at the time, I mean, it's probably somewhere in the ballpark of four to six million dollars in value that was added through the program. Yeah. And that was it, it, the the unit count varied over time, but it was never more than 10 percent. And you would have done it in 2020 again in Austin if it wasn't for the fact that COVID had to cancel South by Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, actually, in that case, we we lost those units to uh, to somebody doing a master lease. So you know, all gotcha. the was provided. Couldn't really argue with that, despite despite the performance. Uh, but that is true. <laughs> that kind of well, leads us to the subject of the day. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of the perfect bridge to, to the, you know, kind of my next question of, you know, how how has the short-term rental business, um, you know, how's this, how has it been operating during this pandemic? You know, again, a personal story here. Um, when all this happened and, you know, you and I even had some conversations of, oh, gosh, this is going to devastate yep. you, know, you guys. And honestly, uh, you know, because I'm I'm seeing it from a P&L standpoint, starting in April, it was actually really, really good. So I, I don't know if that was an anomaly, you know, just based off of, you know, the business that we've been doing together or if that was something that you're you're seeing, you know, across the across the market. So what, what, what's been happening with, with short-term rentals since March? Yeah. So, so South, the, the day the South by Southwest was canceled kind of marked it for us. I mean, of course we saw the news of China and Italy, of course, you know, we thought, okay, this could have some negative impacts on our business here and the industry in general. I, 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 be lying if I said that we really understood what the potential effects would be until we saw South by Southwest canceled. And it wasn't so much around, you know, the impact on those particular clients units uh, that we operate in that market, though that's somewhat devastating. I mean, that's, a, that's the best month typically for, for Austin uh, in terms of short term rentals and hotels. It was more that it felt like the first domino uh, here in the States to fall. And, and that, that turned out to be the case. And so, you know, March, was just generally bolstered by the fact that that was middle of the month. And then that's positive seasonality helping anyway. The The property that you're you're referring to is a little bit of an anomaly in that April was, was still better than March. Um, that's generally the case just with seasonality. But with COVID hitting, uh, we, were at, we kind of experienced a period there, this rapid decline where cancellations were up uh, seven to 10x in, in different markets. They were outpacing new booking confirmations, which is, I mean, we've never seen that before. <laughs> and so, so the bottom was falling and we didn't know where the bottom was. Um, thankfully, in hindsight, it turned out that across our portfolio, um, April was really only down about 40%. Uh, and you contrast that with the performance of hotels, even though most of them got to stay open, you know, some of them were down 80, 90%. You know, you read about Marriott, you read about the effects on Hilton uh, in different markets. And, and those were the, the impacts they saw. And then May, it just surged back. And I think that corresponded with the reopening, you know, signaled by governors and, and you know, mayors across different mm-hmm. municipalities. It was also, I think, just a function of, of people wanting to travel. You know, we're all accustomed to, to kind of summer road trips or, or summer vacations, and we'd all been cooped up since, you know, maybe March. And we saw that demand shifted. Um, we made some changes. You know, we opened up stays to more than 30 days in that period. 
because we we saw some some demand for that midterm stay up to 90 days and 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 that certainly helped pull us out and i think helped us perform better than than hotels as a result and then june just continued the trend and july is already up uh 30 to 40 percent over june which again you know some normal seasonality there no we don't know what's to come in terms of government interventions around this but consumer demand is is there and i I don't think that's going back in the bottle yeah yeah so uh, tell me a little bit about the college town markets that that you're in Uh, you know i hate to I hate to kind of ask what you're seeing year over year because I know you've had so much growth that, you know, looking at a kind of a same story, you know, year over year growth is kind of hard for you to even do. But, you know, just I guess kind of more in your own opinion, you know, how are you feeling about the college markets and, uh, you know, what have you been experiencing during this pandemic? Yeah. So, I mean, in, in June and July, year over year is pretty, pretty similar. Um, and, and in some instances, even better in 2020, which is really interesting to see. You know, April was, was down. You know, any of those markets where we already operated the same unit count, uh, that, that was objectively down. But, but things have, have trended back up in the same way since May. And, you know, I think, when we pull back and we try to analyze what's going on in these different markets, um, you know, generally the tier one school markets, if they didn't have a prohibition on short terminal stays, um, have have fared a little bit better uh, than tier two and tier three markets. Mm-hmm. And it's just been kind of about what the what the demand drivers are. But we have seen generally a shift toward you know more midterm stays. We've seen drive market consumption that's increased as opposed to you know, fly markets. And we just happen to be positioned in a lot of drive markets. But, you know, road trip activity, weekend getaways, those things are all still there. And then these longer term corporate stays are are really kind of help driving it. Gotcha. Um, Anything specific with, you know, that you're seeing as it relates to, I mean, I'm thinking in in a lot of these towns with either medical schools or, you know, even a, a, you know, more urban market or metropolitan market, where you've got, you know, doctors and nurses that don't want to go home and, you know, expose their family or anything and kind of want to self-quarantine. Are you seeing a lot of, and I, I, I'm sure you have no way of actually you know, <laughs> tracking that. It's not like you can ask yeah. people, are they quarantining, but are you seeing anything related to, to that? Yes, we are. So no, we don't have good data on it, but we do have anecdotes. And, uh, and you know, it's amazing, just some simple prompts uh, about like, you know, business or pleasure, and then open-ended questions about, you know, purpose of stay have yielded mm-hmm. some of those uh, responses that you're, that you're getting at. And yeah, we have yeah. seen medical students and, uh, and, and other healthcare workers consuming our type of lodging. Uh, so some of it has been Go, you know, running towards the crisis. So, locum tenens, healthcare providers moving around, and and we kind of you know positioned our, our inventory to to supply that need. And then some of it has just been that local case. You know, that that person saying, "Okay, I'm in the ER every day with this, and uh, I've got somebody at risk at home. Let me let me just go ahead and and rent a place for the next few months." And and you know, thankfully, we've been able to accommodate most of those people. And there isn't even though we're in multifamily settings, the way we do things. 
there's very little interaction for for our guests and and you know these kind of midterm stay residents. They're they're generally using codes to enter a building. Um, they're going you know straight to their places. Oftentimes keyless entry to get into into their units, and so they're not having to interact with people. And you know even though it's a multifamily setting, it's a pretty safe setup. Yeah, completely touchless. So, you know, nationally, the purpose-built student housing industry is running about 2 to 4% behind year-over-year pre-leasing numbers for the fall. Um, and that's been pretty consistent, especially from, you know, May forward. I think the past couple of weeks, I've heard of a lot of markets that are just going gangbusters right now and, you know, signing 30 leases a day and things like that. So, that, that may be, you know, that margin may be you know, getting even closer, but then there's also some schools that have, you know, kind of reverse track on <laughs> on their opening plans and, you know, have made announcements that they're going to go back to, you know, just virtual to, to begin the semester with. Now, I've got some interesting theories on how that's going to how that's going to shake out for, especially right now, how that's going to shake out for the student housing industry. Because I think as some of those universities are making that announcement, I think there's going to be actually more students saying, okay, well, let me find something off campus because I don't want to live with mom and dad. Right. Uh, So that, that may actually uh, help the off campus occupancy. But regardless, I think we're going to see in a lot of markets, we're going to see, you know, some vacancy that's going to be attributed to call it summer melt or, you know, uh, COVID fear or whatever you <laughs> call it. Yeah. And this is going to leave, you know, many properties with more vacant bed spaces than what they've dealt, dealt with in the past. And, and let me remind everyone out there that, you know, there are multiple reasons you want to consolidate your beds into completely vacant units. But obviously, one of those reasons is the ability to, to offer them as a short-term rental through companies like Vector. I've seen this where, you know, a 500-bed property has 5% vacancy, so that's about 25 beds. And instead of having a lot of empty beds scattered, they may be able to have, you know, 5 to 10 completely vacant apartments. And instead of you know, mothballing them, you can place them on Vector's platform and, and sometimes get income greater than your market rent, as, as I mentioned earlier, because you're renting out nightly or week or nightly or weekly, or, you know, even as you said, you know, up to 90 days. Mickey, what's a, a manager has been able to consolidate and come up with completely vacant apartments, go through the process of what they do to put those units on Vector's platform. Yeah. I mean, we, we work to make it pretty simple. So um, there's invariably a little bit of um, work that has to get done just to get the, the new client comfortable with the contract arrangement and then just the general operation. You know, how are we doing on guest screening? Uh, what is our, uh, what's our insurance coverage? All of that sort of stuff. But that can all get worked through in, you know, a couple of days if, uh, if they're engaged. And then, I mean, it's really, uh, call it, call it seven to 10 days and we can activate those 10 units and, and have them thrown off cash. Um, so we work pretty hard to, to make that happen quickly. We just have a, a pretty fast paced as, as an early stage company and we're client driven. And so we realize the longer those things sit vacant, you know, the, the bigger the, the hit to the client. And as someone who has gone through it, I will tell you the biggest hiccup is going to be insurance because, you know, regardless if you're a private owner and working with, you know, uh, one of the big national operators, 
because a lot of clients are, or a lot of uh, owners are doing that because of um, a lot of advantages with, with insurance rates and because they're able to bundle everything, you know, into, um, into one policy. And I will tell you that that was the biggest thing that, and we lost money on it because there were, there were football games, home football games that we completely missed last season because we were working with the insurance companies to get the, get the thumbs up on everything. And, um, I will say, regardless if uh, I would encourage people, if you know that you're you're going to do this, engage with your insurance company right now and say, hey, this is what we're looking to do. What do you need in place? And and because that, that's going to be the one thing that's going to take the longest. Yeah. And, you know, that said, most of the time, I think the insurance by the real estate company is is ample and then they just need to get comfortable with what we have and you know we've passed i think all along the way and and when we haven't we've just purchased additional coverage um and so you know it's general generally commercial and general liability coverage uh workers comp and maybe some excess liability coverage that we have yeah so um let's let's talk a little bit about the the furnished process right because most student housing uh, communities typically, especially those that are that are purpose built, purpose designed, typically are going to have a you know base furniture package. So that eliminates a lot of the you know capital infusion they have to do to get on the vectors platform. But there's other things like you know the coffee makers, the ironing boards, the yep. you know the eating utensils, and and all of those things that uh, can add up pretty quick you know when you start talking about you know even putting you know three or four units on onto the platform uh, talk a little bit about uh, you know how these units are, are outfitted and you know what does that typically cost and you know are there options for renting furniture if the unit is not already furnished yeah yeah and we, we ha- so we have a few different packages a few different solutions based on uh, client preferences and the uh, existing status of the units. When a unit is furnished for student housing, you're generally looking at kind of what you said, you know, the decor, the housewares, um, linens, and call that uh, on a, if it if it's a, a one bedroom, you know, kind of in the thousand dollar range, two bedroom, $1,500 range, and so forth. Step that up a few hundred bucks each, each, uh, each bedroom. And then uh, if it's a completely unfurnished unit, which, which may be more rare, we generally furnish a, a one bedroom at uh, including so hard and soft costs about five thousand dollars, and then a two bedroom, you know, a little bit north of six thousand dollars. We are agnostic on how it gets done. It's a function that we provide because it's uh, you know it's a means to an end for us. You know, most of our clients have vacant inventory, and so we we have to 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 figure that out for them. And and then there's the the rental option. Uh, and so we have a few different rental partnerships. And uh, I mean, you can you can literally rent everything. You can rent those forks. Um, you can rent the the fake plant in the corner. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not going to be the most cost effective solution. But if the term is really in question, you know, the the duration of time committing to this, then that can be a good way forward. And it can basically just be, you know, a, a, an off the top expense. Um, but if if it's an entire unit being furnished. It's uh, it's generally in the four hundred to five hundred dollar range uh, per month on rental uh, of a one bedroom, and then uh, uh, again stepping it up similarly five hundred to six hundred on a two and so forth. 
Gotcha. Well, hey, listen, uh, yeah, if I if I haven't said it enough, I, I really love Vector, <laughs> what you guys are Thank doing. You. But but you guys are not the only ones doing this. You know, Expedia has the acquisition of Apartment Jet, you know, who to me, I think we're probably, I mean, that's when I first kind of learned that there was a company doing this, that, that was handling this was with Apartment Jet. They acquired them, I don't know, a couple of years ago and, and kind of expanded this part uh, of Expedia. But uh, they just made some some announcements that they are shelving this category completely and, and, and I guess basically just shutting it down. I, I know many of the property management companies that were using them and a few student housing operators as well. Uh, you mentioned that you have many of their clients jumping over to you guys. If you know there is someone listening in the audience who currently has properties that that you know were on Expedia or Apartment Jet, and they're one of their have been one of their clients, and they're saying, "Hey, I I would really like to move this over to Vector." What's what's really involved with that? Well, yeah, and let me also mention it's not only. Uh, Expedia multifamily that has shut down uh, those programs. So the the apartment jet program and and pillow. There are also some other independent businesses that focused on you know, multifamily in general, but but surely also had some student housing leases in place that have gone under in this thing. So we've always gotcha. run kind of this lean operation and um, and its revenue shares. So our commitments weren't there on the lease front, but. Other other companies weren't so fortunate with their with their model or maybe with their fundraising cycle, and so you know Lyric and Stay Alfred were two of the two of the trailblazers on the multifamily short term rental uh, front, and they've gone under as well. And so th- so there may be empty units that were previously leased that are but they're but they're furnished, um, so those could be activated pretty quickly and easily as well. But in any one of those scenarios, um, you know I think the Expedia multifamily portfolio is being wound down at the end of this month, as I understand it, and so. Those can be really quick and easy transitions into the vector program. And furthermore, you know, I, I believe we offer a little bit more service on the ground. So in terms of, um, you know, managing access and managing all of the housekeeping, you know, we really don't ask much of anything of the onsite teams, uh, only only when there are maintenance items and we work through the, the right. ticketing system. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, call it a matter of days uh, just to transition into us. So, you know, I think one thing that we haven't really discussed <laughs> in all of this um, are those different, you know, types of, of models um, as far as revenue share versus, you know, a master lease type of situation. We go into that. We went into that really well with with our first interview with you. So for folks who want to understand kind of the, the differences with that, they can go back and listen to that. But you guys have a revenue share model. It, Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what those, you know, what those fees look like, what that split looks like. So folks have a little bit of understanding of, of how that's done. Yeah, we, we started this knowing that there was nobody out there focused on a revenue share model in the multifamily sector and that, you know, ideologically, it sort of made sense to us that the, the client should have the majority of the upside and that we could provide the service and take you know, less risk, frankly, uh, than the lease arbitrage model or the, or the corporate master lease model. But, uh, but with our standard arrangement, it's 75% to the client, 25% to us. And with that 25%, it's really a, a pretty much a fully loaded, you know, kind of a fee. So that's going to cover all of our software, all of our personnel, 
all travel, you know, all of the housekeeping, all of that sort of stuff. So all of that is baked into it. And so it's, it's, it's fairly clean. And again, you know, we're going to handle everything on behalf of the client. So basically, you know, when they, when they sign a management agreement with us for a set of units, it's almost as if we've leased the units. We, you know, we've taken control of those things and, and they generally don't have to worry, uh, worry about those units or work on them. Gotcha. Is that before or after the, the cleaning fees? Cause you guys usually collect a cleaning fee from yeah, yeah, I said it that way just for for you know simplicity. But we basically collect a cleaning fee and then pay out a cleaning fee. So it's a it's a pass through gotcha. expense. But uh, you know we do actively manage that, and that's kind of within our uh, domain. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, one thing that you know when I mentioned earlier about missing some football games last year because of the delays that we had with with getting insurance approved and everything. And thinking about, I mean, that's, you know, you were talking about Austin. I mean, outside of um, South by Southwest, you know, I know you guys did a, a lot of business in the fall related to the football games. And, you know, right now, everybody's going to try to give it the old college try and <laughs> have some kind of season. But as we're getting closer and closer to, to September and seeing things start, you know, it sounds like, you know, the power five are, are certainly going to, you know, make a go at it and at least try to do conference play. You know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's, uh, you know, how do you feel like that as far as your, you know, as a, as a student housing, if I'm a student housing manager and I'm at, you know, an SEC school or, a, you know, PAC 10 or ACC or something like that. And, you know, thinking, yeah, this would be really great for football season and could see the potential revenue that could come in, in from it. Uh, how, do you, how do you think that's going to play out for short-term rentals? Because, uh, you know, part of me kind of thinks, you know, if I was traveling to go to a football game at, you know, you know the school I graduated from or whatever, then I would probably rather be in, you know, a, a student housing or multifamily property where I've got that touchless entry <laughs> and, you know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with a lot of people from out of, from all over the country that are, you know, coming into the hotels. Uh, but I may be completely wrong about that. So just, you know, I wanted to kind of get your feeling on how you think that that may end up working out. And, you know, if it's, if it's something worth considering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it's worth considering that said, you know, we, we've continued to push rates up. So as we've seen demand climb, you know, we've, we've, we've been able to, to drive average daily rate up and the occupancy rate has continued to rise as well. We will have some normal seasonality trends downward in the fall uh, in general, but around specific events like football games, I mean, it, it is still a little bit to be determined based on the administrative uh, and, and government intervention or the potential for it. But you know, we are, we are planning on servicing that and, and we intend to remain open, you know, through those events. And I do think for the reasons you just listed that we are you know, arguably a better alternative to hotels because of the, the lack of, of interactions, the ability to go kind of straight to your unit and, and stay to yourselves, um, kind of isolate amongst your, your group uh, much better than in a hotel scenario. Well, great. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you for, for, again, everything that we, we've talked about with what you guys are doing with Student Housing Insight and, and just 
providing this service to our audience members. But, uh, you know, we, we've all got things we got to get on to. So <laughs> I think I think we probably covered most of the questions that I think is that's going to be on everyone's mind. Two things. One, I want to let the audience know of a special that you're doing for anybody listening to this. Um, and then also want to make sure that we give them information on, you know, if they've got additional questions. And I've got a feeling that it may all be the you may have an answer to, to both of those. You've got a single answer that's going to answer both of those. But first of all, for for the listeners that are listening to this, and I don't know if you've got a if you've got a time limit on this, but if you're listening to this and you want to put something in place for your for your community or your portfolio um, for this fall uh, and going into this next year, you've got a special deal for them, right? That's correct. Yeah, we, we'd love to offer the um, Student Housing Insight listeners and followers the opportunity to get basically one month free. Uh, so think of it like a rent concession, but a, a fee concession. So if they'll sign up by the end of August, you know, we'll, we'll not charge a management fee for that first month and kind of ease that transition into this program. So yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to offer that. And we did put together a, a, a quick landing page if you want to register, maybe have the property underwritten for both the local regulations and the uh, short-term mental income potential. So it's vectorstays.com slash SHI. And you can just input your information and the property info, and we will follow up You know, within 24 hours or so to, uh, to share all of that info with you. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Mickey, I appreciate it again so much. And thanks for, for making that offer. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, getting 100% of that revenue for the first month, I think it makes it a lot easier to to make that decision. What uh, just, uh, you know, so everybody's clear, what's the kind of minimum terms in, in order to do that? Yeah. So for the student housing industry, we've, we've, kind of tried to tailor it to their needs. And uh, so think of it as a semester at a time, but, you know, uh, if we had to pick a term length, let's say six months at a time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks so much for, for joining us today. And folks, don't forget, if you've got any vacancy, try to consolidate and get those empty rooms, even if you don't use Vector, that still provides a lot of flexibility, be it, you know, providing them for, you know, parents to stay in when they, when they come over or someone to, to, if you end up having an issue with quarantining someone, there, there's so many um, useful reasons as to, to why you want to do that. And, and hey, Mickey, actually, before you go, I think there's one other thing we probably ought to, to, I was talking about, you know, having a place for, for parents to stay. That's actually something you're able to provide through your website. Uh, you know, you give a link to the property managers to give out to their residents to say, hey, if you've got any friends, if you've got parents, you know, book directly with Vector Stays and, and they get a really good rate for that. You want to explain that really quick before we go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of back to being client driven. So, um, you know, we think it makes sense and, and it sort of pays for itself partially anyway by uh, forcing that off of an OTA with a booking fee, you know, and then to booking direct where there's basically just a credit card processing fee. But, you know, we let our, our clients determine it. It's often somewhere between 20 and, and 30% of a discount. And, yeah, and we work with with the on-site management team to push that out to residents. If they have a you know an email list of parents, then it can go to them as well. And it's just a really nice option. I mean, generally these these properties are 
are of course quite proximate to campuses and you know and and things to do in the area and then if their son or daughter is you know staying one or two floors away then that's really convenient provides some privacy to the student resident but also you know a, a proximate location for the friends and family to stay in while they're there just another reason to do it you're making life so much easier <laughs> for everybody so I remember, I remember having to take all those phone calls of, of you know, residents or residents' parents saying, hey, have you got an empty unit we can use? We'll bring our own bed sheets. And <laughs> so that's – uh, Just to give them a link, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, again, Mickey, thanks for, thanks for spending the time with us today, and thanks for everything you're doing for our industry, man. Well, thank you, Wes. All right. Take care. All right. All right, guys, you heard them. If you've got some completely vacant units that you want to turn into short-term rental income, go check out vectorstays.com forward slash SHI and find out if this is something that makes sense for your property or, or your portfolio. It doesn't make sense on every property. I'll go ahead and tell you that. And sometimes the numbers just don't work, but that's part of his questionnaire on that landing page that really will help you figure that out. So again, vectorstays.com forward slash SHI. And in full transparency, as you heard, Vector is a sponsor of Student Housing Insight. And if there is one reason we allow them to be a sponsor, because we think they are the best at what they do and they understand how their service has to be altered for a student housing community. Okay, I guess that was actually two reasons, but you get the point. So go check them out and take advantage of getting the first month fee waived. I mean, that's a huge, huge benefit. And it's only available to our audience members who go to that to that landing page, vectorstays.com forward slash SHI. Guys, thanks so much. Happy turn season to everybody. And we'll chat soon. Mm-hmm.